2: You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Bronco's Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge.
3: Okay, we're live, but everybody knows the drill. We gotta let the stream breathe just for a few seconds so that we can make sure we have Facebook online with us. And five green check marks and we're good to go. Welcome in everybody to the Huddle Up podcast presented as always by Mile High Huddle, powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host Chad Jensen and with me as always is my partner in crime. You know him, you love him. He is Zach Calverman. Zach, it was interesting myself of course being a little bit of a Star Wars nerd. That nerdery I'll be honest has faded a little bit with how bad my, the the in my opinion, the sequel trilogy was but nevertheless As a big Star Wars nerd, I liked Drew Locke's Darth Vader quote today, talking about how he basically, as a as a true son of Missouri, you know, born and raised in Missouri, and then he goes on to play at Mizzou. His family, all huge Chiefs nuts, you know, he's had to kind of turn the page as a pro and commit, and the whole thing. He is trying to set himself; he's posturing himself up mentally to be the Darth Vader, the villain, to upset, you know, I guess in his mind, the Jedi being the The Chiefs, I don't know. Either way, it's Order 66. Time to exterminate the Chiefs. Week 7, let's go.
4: Do you remember when he was drafted, he went to his parents' house and staked Broncos flags in the backyard? I mean, from day one, he didn't let his where he grew up affect the employer he was going to play for or the team he was going to rep from then on. I have a feeling he's going to face this question every single time he plays Kansas City for the rest of his career, and he plays him twice being with the Broncos. I I do like how he's embracing Denver and being loyal to the Broncos compared to someone like Shane Ray, who had a, a chief's tattoo on his back. And he always, you can tell wanted to go back to Kansas city, wanted to go back to Missouri. That was, I will always have a special place in Lockhart, Missouri. It's his hometown home is home for a reason, but the Broncos are the ones signing his checks. The Broncos are the ones that are giving him the opportunity to be a franchise quarterback in the NFL. I love this comment and not to make too much of it. It's kind of just a, a surface level comment, but it just goes to show you again, it's another Feather in Drew Locke's personality cap. Everything you want to hear from him, every every soundbite he gives is encouraging. It's never discouraging. It's never filled with controversy. It never gives bulletin board material to the other team. It's true to himself and true to the Broncos. And I appreciate that.
3: I'll admit that it does. When I say it irritates me, it doesn't irritate me because I take offense or anything. It only irritates me when he mentions the Kansas City thing and being a Missouri guy and all that because I know it opens up and invites all the subsequent questions that are going to come from that. And today, you know, in the defense of the local media and the KC and the national guys, everyone that was in on the call today, he's the one that broached the topic first about being a Kansas city guy and growing up, you know, as a chiefs guy and having to kind of flip the script on that. But let me just read to you, Zach. And then of course the floodgates open. He was asked, you know, you're one year into your, Bronco career, you're in year two, but it's been a full year since you've been out of Missouri, et cetera, et cetera. How long is it going to be or how long is it going to take before playing the Chiefs is no longer going to be weird? I mean, put yourself slightly in his shoes. Now, granted, he's an elite athlete. You know, He's a pro. He's an NFL player. He's a quarterback. He's got one of the most elite rare jobs in the world, one of only 32 guys that can say I'm a starting quarterback in the NFL. And so you say, well, you know, he's on a pedestal. But try and put yourself in his shoes just for a second and imagine as a Broncos fan growing up your whole life orange and blue till the day you die passionate fan and then you get drafted to go play for the Raiders or the Chiefs how hard it would be maybe for you initially just emotionally not in terms of you show up you do the work you know you get your paycheck and all that but to kind of just cleanse your mind and start over and put yourself in Drew's shoes here's what he said quote how long will it take in other words for you for you tell us not weird playing the Chiefs quote It's hard to forget 22 years of your life, especially because I'm only 23 now. This is my first full year out of Kansas City. Everyone remembers their hometown, so there will always be that feeling of my parents are actually leaving Kansas City to come see the game type of deal. It's nothing that makes you play different or nothing that gets me all amped up to play the game this week. That's not how it works. You should be amped up for every game every week. It is cool. I'll say that. It is cool to be able to put the Darth Vader mask on and steer away from the Jedi and come to the dark side, uh, so so to say, over here in Denver. I kind of like playing that guy. Hopefully I can be that guy and get a win this Sunday and start the rivalry a little bit, close quote. And Zach, you know, flash through, the rivalry is long. I mean, it's a, one of the most well-established rivalries in the history of the NFL Broncos Chiefs. But unfortunately, for the last nine matchups, it's been a very one-sided uh, rivalry. I like what he said, though, and it's true. It's what you want to hear from him,
4: that every game matters. And I have a feeling after this season, if he starts against the Chiefs both games... He'll, next year he won't hear this question so often. As he goes on, it, it, the luster of facing Kansas City, the newness is going to wear off and it'll just be another team for him. But yeah, I mean, 22 years compared to a season and a half in the NFL. You can't just undo all of that. It's like if I went back to my hometown, all those memories would kick back in. Doesn't mean I miss it. Doesn't mean I'm thinking about it. It's just, it's, it's what's so. It's human nature. It's just another way though, to me, where he's wise beyond his ears as a quarterback in the NFL. The way he's the front facing player of the Broncos right now, the quarterback, and he's handling everything the right way. I love that he added a little juice, a little fire to the rivalry, but he's treating it like any other game, which is how it should be,
3: Chubb. We got a lot to get to tonight. Uh, More on Drew Locke, more on a few of the other things he had to say about the Chiefs, what Andy Reid had to say about Drew Locke, the update on the injury report, and just everything Broncos coming out of HQ today, it being the first practice day for Week 7, but first... We got to get to a few matters of business.
4: Yeah. Tonight's live stream po- podcast is brought to you by sportsbetting.com. Broncos country, listen up gambling is now legal in the state of colorado and here's what makes SportsBetting.com a no brainer for sports fans sharp odds and low juice guys they have in-house bookmakers they're not a third-party provider of odds they have reduced juice and the best prices also hassle-free bonuses a one-time rollover that means the bonus money is yours after you bet it just one time whereas other sites range from five to thirty times big discrepancy there finally 24 7 live customer support that means when you reach them you are always getting a real person in the US, never a robot, a real live human being. But listen, here's the kicker at sportsbetting.com, you get a 100% risk free week of sports betting up to $1,000. Not just one bet, but all of your bets. Play for a week. And if your losses exceed your winnings at the end of the week, sportsbetting.com will cover a hundred percent of the difference up to one thousand dollars with a one-time rollover. So head on over to sportsbetting.com slash milehighhuddle. That's sportsbetting.com slash milehigh huddle and capitalize on a risk free week of sports betting up to one thousand dollars.
3: Yeah, they're up in the ante, guys. You got to yep. jump on that. I went from five hundred dollars of money you can bet with up to a thousand. So jump Get on, on that. Get on it, appreciate uh, the support, of course, from sportsbetting.com. All right, guys, a few other quick matters of business, and then we'll dive right back into the stream and what's on your mind and the topics today. Make sure you're following the podcast on Twitter at huddle pod while you're at it. Follow the main account at mile huddle, those two things, so you won't miss anything as it relates to the pod or breaking Broncos news and analysis. You will have your finger on the pulse of what's happening here at MHH. Um, also, check out the merch store, gang. A little gentle reminder. If you're in a position to, head on over to HuddleUpPod.com and get your swag on. Get yourself a Mile High Huddle trucker hat, a a football priest hat, the T-shirts. You got the face mask, the mug, hoodies, a little something for everybody. You got Christy's red hot uh, MHH shirt that she designed and we debuted last week that's just been great. It's another way that you can support what we're doing here at Mile High Huddle if you are of a mind to do that. Also, shout out to our Facebook supporters, our official uh, Facebook supporters. You know, the, the community we have here on Facebook is 90,000 strong. And just recently, only I don't know, a month ago or so, we debuted the option to become an official supporter on Facebook. If that's something you'd like to do, support MHH. We got some unique content coming your way that's going to be only for our Facebook official supporters. If that's something you want to support, just go to the, to the page, facebook.com/slash mile and you'll see the big blue button to become a supporter. We appreciate you, and a mile-high salute to our Facebook supporters who are already in the saddle with us. And, guys, if you're not in a position to patronize the merch store or become an official supporter, any one of you can do these three things, whether you're with us live or after the fact listening on demand. Subscribe, first and foremost, number one. Number two, like this video, and that's crucial. It's very helpful to like this video, especially on YouTube and Facebook, and the, the really the, the litmus test, the testimonial, if you will, if you think Zach and I are doing a good job, if we're doing what you feel like is good work covering your team, the Denver Broncos, then share this video out there. Share this podcast episode, this live stream episode out there. Help us continue to grow, and we are growing exponentially, and reach new like-minded Broncos fans just like you.
0: This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
1: Paid for by America First Legal.
3: Listen up, Broncos country. Coors Hard Seltzer is not your average seltzer. Rooted in Coors' long history of sustainability, their brand was inspired by a generation that wants to do good in the world that has a mission to restore America's rivers. Never before has it been so easy to make an impact and make a difference and do good in the world. Coors Hard Seltzer is launching the world's easiest volunteer program. Whatever you're doing, Simply by cracking open a can of Coors Hard Seltzer, you're volunteering. Our waterways, guys, they are at risk. 80% of America's rivers are drying up, and through a partnership with Change the Course, Coors Hard Seltzer is helping to protect and restore America's rivers. Each 12-pack of Coors Hard Seltzer restores 500 gallons of fresh water to U.S. rivers. Wrap your brain around that and the communities that depend on them. It's so important. The results? 1 billion, that's with a B gang, gallons of water restored to 16 river basins across the U.S., including the Colorado River. And that's just year one. And here's what's great about Coors Hard Seltzer. Four refreshing flavors, one cool cause. Enjoy naturally flavored black cherry, mango, lemon, lime, and grapefruit. And the specs are in, gang. Coors Seltzer is 4.5% ABV and only 90 calories. Chad, I got to say, for last Sunday's
4: slate of NFL games, I picked up a Coors Hard Seltzer in Mango. Loved it. This week, I picked up a Coors Hard Seltzer in Black Cherry. Loved it even more. So guys, whether you want to support the
3: cause or like the flavors, you won't be disappointed with a Coors Hard Seltzer. Amen. So join the world's easiest volunteer program by simply drinking Coors Hard Seltzer. You can volunteer to restore America's rivers. You buy Coors Hard Seltzer, you help restore 500 gallons of water into America's rivers. It is that simple. Visit Coreselzer.com to find Coors Seltzer near you. That's Coreselzer.com. For every 12 pack sold through 831 2021,
4: Coors will purchase services from Change the Course to restore 500 gallons of fresh river water. Details at Seltzer.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company,
3: Fort Worth, Texas. All right, Zach. We've got a return from one of our superstars, Levi, hope jumping in Wow. the top rope, Levi. It just blows us away. We, we just appreciate your support, my Thank friend you. and Zach. I know I speak for both of us when I say when Levi's not in the stream, we fill it acutely. It's great having him back. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you so much, Levi. Love you, buddy. And he's rocking the, uh, Smouse in the house, ZW design shirt of the mile high huddle. Let him hate. Good to see you, my friend. Appreciate you. Um, Let me see here. Bear with me one second. I wanna. There's obviously a few topics I want to get to, but I saw a few Super Chats stacked up, and I don't want to. What's up, Terry? Good to see you, my friend, up there north of the 49th Parallel. There he is. He's got the Smouse in the house, Let Him Hate shirt. Good to see you, my friend. Also, Albert. Um, I don't know what that means. It's probably in the native tongue, but nevertheless, I did reply to your email. Check that out. Good to see you, my friend. One of our Facebook supporters, uh, Che Hill, Facebook supporter. Good to see you, my friend. As well, Andrew Morrow. Yep. Star Wars. It does still rule. I'm with you on that. That's a bonafide superstar right there. And here's Z-Dub in the house. Good to see you, my friend. Um, all right. Uh, let's grab Benji here. He wants to know trade. Uh, appreciate the super chat, by the way. Thank trade you. Deshaun Hamilton in a seventh for Ross. Is that something you'd be in on, Zach?
4: I got this question on Twitter yesterday. I'll give him the same response I gave on Twitter. I would trade Deshaun Hamilton for air. For oxygen, I I would literally, for a 2047th round draft pick, he brings nothing to the table. Uh, John Ross is a speedster, has some injury concerns, but you'd be taking on his first round contract as well. So no, I don't believe they're going to trade one for one. I just get rid of Deshaun, play Fred Brown, play Tyree Cleveland, play anyone over
3: Deshaun Hamilton at this point. Interesting quote today from Andy Reid when he was asked about... Drew Locke. And of course, Drew Locke, although he hasn't received, uh, you know, and it wasn't a perfect game, I wouldn't expect anyone to, to, you know, perfectly grade Drew Locke's performance in week six against the Patriots because those two interceptions in the fourth quarter and the and the muffed snap, which was on him, you know, that really marred what was up to that point an excellent performance, notwithstanding the fact that the Broncos were, <clears throat> excuse me, unable to get into the end zone he threw four passes that should have been touchdowns. Nevertheless, the Broncos pulled out the win. And Andy Reid, obviously, he's got, he keeps a close eye on Drew Locke for a lot of reasons, not just because he's the Denver Broncos starting quarterback, but because he goes back a long ways with the Locke family. And uh, his father, Andy Locke, played for Andy Reid at, at one point way back in the day. Here's what Andy Reid said, though, Zach, on Wednesday about Drew Locke Quote, certain guys just play big. He is big, but he plays big in the pocket. He's not flinchy at all. He's got a nice touch. Seems like he has a nice feel for what they're asking him to do. And the beautiful thing is he's getting better with time. Now, certainly, Zach, when you hear from an opposing coach, there's coach speak, right? There's, there's a reason that is a cliche. And so some things you take a little bit with a grain of salt. But what is your reaction to the idea that he plays big, he's not flinchy, he's not skittish in the pocket, and that he's really just scratching the surface, that he's only getting better. Well, guys, yeah, if you don't take it from Chad and I, take it
4: from Andy Reid. And say what you want about the guy, but he is one of the best offensive minds of this generation, if not in NFL history. And for him to praise Locke like that, Chad, there's coach speak, and there's going above and beyond and genuinely praising an opponent. And that's what he did there. And what I love about this is he made the case, whereas some Broncos fans were a little apprehensive that Locke was going to be the next Paxton Lynch, this singular quote, Proofs. Locke is the antithesis of Paxton Lynch. He described, Andy Reid, everything that Paxton Lynch was and everything that Drew Locke isn't. I love what he's saying about him here. He can hang tough in the pocket. He can make the big throws. He has the franchise caliber traits, intangibles, intangibles, and the most exciting thing that he said, he's only getting better. This is by far and away the worst we're going to see of Drew Locke. It's very refreshing and encouraging to think what it's going to be when we see
3: the best version of Drew Locke. Amen. Real quick, we got Zeus McPeak jumping in with the super chat. Thank you. Good to see you, my friend, and appreciate you as always up there, MHH Mount Rushmore. And congrats are in order because he's finally, he says, I'm finally in my new home in Houston with internet. Hi, all. All right. So, Stu, we got to get you on the show here then in the near future now that you got stable internet. And I'm sure you've got that, um, you know, that cockpit HQ of yours that was so finely tuned when we had you on the show ready to rock and roll. So let's get you on here in the very near future and check in. You can tell us how how things are going for you in in Texas and with your move and whatnot. Uh, Real quick, I want to touch on Zach before we get back into the stream here, a couple other storylines from Wednesday. First and foremost, the practice report. Uh, Hopefully you guys can see this. If not, uh, I'll read it off to you. But for the Denver Broncos, here's who did not practice on Wednesday. Jeremiah Attachio with that quad, he's not trending towards playing. And Zach, with Malik Reed kind of seeming to find his groove, that isn't necessarily the worst possible development. Andrew Beck did not practice with a hamstring. DeMar Dotson did not practice, but it was a vet day we learned later. So Whew. don't worry there. Dalton Reisner, shoulder. Deontay Spencer, shoulder, did not participate. Both of those players injured, of course, on Sunday. And then you had Bradley Chubb limited, Hamler uh, limited, Noah Fant limited, Mike Purcell limited, and Zach. Noah Fant and Hamler both, from everything I've to- uh, was told today with regard to practice, looking significantly more comfortable and better. There's a I have a good feeling both those guys are going to be able to play yeah. this week.
4: Yeah, I saw a video. I believe it was from Andrew Mason on Twitter. He posted it there. Whereas. Uh, it was KJ Hamler doing some cuts and some drills. And he looked, Chad, he looked pretty good coming off that hamstring. He was cutting and running normally. So I think he will suit up. No doubt about it. I think Noah Fant will start this game. He was close to playing the Patriots game. They held him out for an abundance of caution. But now you have him on the field, you have Albert O. Um, they're gonna be a more powerful offense against the Chiefs, and they're gonna need every piece of firepower they can get. So your point about tattoo, who's also impressed me, not just Malik Reed, but Chicolo. He's come on. He's made some plays from the outside so they can weather. It's not ideal losing attached losing depth, especially when you're facing a, a passing team like Kansas City. But Chickalo look good. Malik Reid looked good last week. And then Bradley Chubb is back to being Bradley Chubb. So I'm not too worried about that injury. I'm
3: way more encouraged that Fant and maybe Hamler are coming back. And then as far as A.J. Bouye, you know, it's looking like he's trending toward returning off injured reserve. He has begun practicing again. And the same for Draymond Jones, you know, they let go, of course, Timmy Jernigan, who was only with the Broncos, three weeks of real-time but two games, basically. He played the one snap against the Jets in week four, and then he played, I don't know, I think just under a dozen. I think he played ten snaps against the Patriots. He was just holding the the, the door, so to speak, for Jones's return, and it's looking like Jones is going to return for week seven against the Chiefs, and, Zach, that's, that's good news because – you need to have some interior pressure yes. to try and flump you know fluster patrick mahomes in any way possible
4: yeah you can't put the 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 onus solely on Bradley Chubb or solely on Malik Reed, you have to have interior pressure and keep Mahomes from breaking out of the pocket and from making those improvisational throws. He's going to still get his yards, get their touchdowns, but if they can make him uncomfortable, as the Raiders showed a few weeks ago, if like any other quarterback, if you pressure Mahomes, he becomes vincible, not invincible. And that's what the Broncos have to do. I would have liked to see Timmy Jernigan play a little more but Draymond Jones to me has way uh, higher upside this game though. I know it's a pro nothing, but can we get Nigel Bradham on the field? What, what is the deal going on with that? Why can't he finally play? And you, you consider they're facing a, a passing explosive team like Kansas city. You want him on the field. I know it's kind of
3: neither here nor there, but I'd like to see Nigel Bradham get some run. How about you? It wouldn't. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me to see him be a game day elevation, right? They can elevate two players from the practice squad, which I'll remind everybody. Bradham is still a practice squad player. It wouldn't surprise me to see him get elevated for this game. But, you know, at the same time, if you're Vic Fangio, who's kind of defensive-minded and he's a guy that's more inclined to, you know, look for the hole in the boat, so to speak, and look for reasons why not to do something as opposed to reasons why you should do something, I could see him going, look, if we're going to break in Bradham into this defense and let him play some nickel back – nickel linebacker, I should say – You really want to do that against the Chiefs. But at the same time, Zach, the devil's argument is, why did you sign him? Why did you bring him in if you're not going to use him? This is a a passing offense that makes every team in the league shudder. And, you know, you need your best guys out there when it comes to coverage. Because, look, dude, Alexander Johnson, Josie Jewell, really good run-fitting linebackers. Both are still – they make that passing defense vulnerable when it comes to the nickel and dime packages.
4: Yeah, but I mean, I would want to fight fire with fire. So the Kansas City Chiefs, they already have one of the best passing attacks. They have obviously Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire. But they just signed Le'Veon Bell, who's a pass-catching running back. So the Broncos, in a corresponding move to counter that, should play Nigel Bradham, considering he's the best uh, pass-covering linebacker they have on the roster. If they're not going to play him this week, then what? why even have him, like you said, why sign him? Same with DeMar Dotson. Why did it take an injury to Wilkinson to play the better player? I hope the same thing isn't happening with Nigel Brattle. There's no way of
0: knowing. I just hope it's not trending in that direction.
1: This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
0: Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site.
3: Let's grab Jay Ritchie, one of our superstars. It's been a minute since we've seen Jay. It's good to see you, my friend. Thank you, Jay. Welcome back, and we appreciate your support as always. He says, what's up, fellas? Uh, 17 Hamilton should never hit the field again. Can K.J. Hamler fill the slot and Jerry Judy actually break out? And are we ready to beat the Chiefs? Locke is going to be big. And that does kind of dovetail into something that – I want to bring up here that Drew Locke said and addressed. He was basically asked, you know, when is Jerry Judy going to have his breakout game, right? And is this the game in which Jerry Judy can break out? Here's what he said, quote, and also just the idea of getting KJ Hamler back, how that affects the offense, quote, KJ would be big. We've all been really excited to see him out on the field, and we got a little taste of that against Pittsburgh We're just excited for him to hopefully come back and start helping us on the field a little bit. As far as Jerry goes, anytime Jerry Judy is on the field, you should expect a breakout day from him. That's just the type of player he is. That's the type of mentality that he brings to the field. That's the type of player we know he is on the offensive side of the ball. Anytime, any given Sunday, Jerry can come out and have a breakout day, close quote. So, Zach, he's giving him some encouragement and really keeping that expectation high, saying, What do you mean looking for a breakout game? Jerry Judy's a breakout just like – he's a walking breakout. That's just the type of player he is. What do you think is going to happen this week, though?
4: Well, I mean, I can't predict Jerry Judy's stat line. I do – I mean, he's on a bust. I'm not pressing the panic button. He kind of broke out against the Jets with that touchdown. He looked like a number one pick in that game, a 15 overall draft pick. I believe, though, Deshaun is only playing because K.J. Hamler isn't. They have just – uh, less and less depth of that position after losing Cortland Sutton. If Hamler does come back, that would mean less Deshaun Hamilton. And that's the most explosive, um, lineup. Uh, on the field for the Broncos, having Tim Patrick, Jerry Judy, and KJ Hamler out there in three wide packages. Just getting Deshaun Hamilton off the field, though, the process of that alone, addition by subtraction, he brings the entire offense down. And if you guys think that Drew Locke isn't paying attention to the balls that he's thrown to him, where Deshaun hasn't even extended for it, he dropped it, you have another thing coming. It's very naive. He wants a better receiver on the field, and I bet you right now he is hoping and praying Hamler
3: is going to play in this game. Duke Boynton jumping in, one of our superstars and always, you know, MHH Mount Rushmore guy. He is up there. Thank you. Appreciate Duke. you, Duke. He says, and by the way, I hope the, the grandbaby is doing okay. Hope your daughter's doing okay. And congrats on another grandbaby coming your way, my friend. He says, execute, order, nix nix on Hamilton. Zach, is going to fill into that. that. He's going to be the third wide receiver on the field as soon as he's healthy enough, which it's looking like it's going to be this week. When it comes to the reps behind him, and when it comes to what do you do with Hamilton, you keep him on the sideline and you give those reps to Tyree Cleveland. Yes. Period. End of story and telling, unless Cleveland gives you a reason to not use him on the field. Or Deshaun gives him a reason to play him more. But absolutely,
4: yes. He's had his opportunity. He hasn't done much with it. I mean, some Broncos fans had hope because he looked good a little toward the end of last season, but he's just not capitalized at all, Chad. He's had great opportunity, potential starting opportunity, and he squandered it. Last week's egregious drop should have been the
3: last straw for Denver. Agreed. Let's grab Chase here, jumping in. Good to see you, my friend, a superstar. You, Chase. Chase Hunter. He says, uh, he may have grown up a Chiefs fan, but the opportunity to be a starting quarterback in the NFL is way bigger than that. Absolutely. And that's one thing, Zach, we we need to impart to everybody, make sure we're all on the same page here with regard to Drew Locke. I really don't think, in the same way that for Shane Ray, it was obviously still very much front of brain in terms of as a Bronco, as a first-round pick of an NFL franchise, he went out and got one of their biggest arch rivals tattooed on his body. Drew Locke's not going to do that. Drew Locke, it's like it's like uh, Von Miller. Von Miller grew up a Dallas Cowboys fan. Von Miller grew up idolizing Demarcus Ware, which is why it was so cool that Ware ended up in Denver to mentor him. He, that's old news, man. He's a Bronco, like he's the man. He's even before he became the Von Miller of 2015 and the Super Bowl 50 hero, he's Von Miller, man. He's a Denver Bronco, and that's Drew Locke. He came up through the Missouri ranks. Yes, he's a true son, meaning born and raised in Missouri, and then he went on to play for Mizzou. But he is very much, guys, embraced what it means to be a Denver Bronco. And trust me when I say nothing would satisfy or please Drew Locke more than to get yes. a win against the team he grew up rooting for and be that Darth Vader to the Jedi in terms of turning to the dark side, the way it's viewed from his old fan base, right? And he even talked about this, Zach. Uh, there was an interview with his father, Andy, during the offseason in which you know the, the Locke family at large – not everyone was willing to jump from Chiefs to Broncos just because Drew got drafted. And of course, his folks have and his immediate family has. But some of his cousins, Zach, and his and his uncles and aunts, and you know, they're are still big time Chiefs fans. And that's what Drew Locke is talking about because it's not just that he grew up a Chiefs fan, you know, his family, a lot a large part of them are still Chiefs fans. So that's what he means by I'm the dark side, I'm Dar- I'm Darth Vader, and I'm gonna I'm gonna have to vanquish the Jedi.
4: Well, it happens a lot in the NFL. Obviously, these players grow up having favorite teams or favorite players, and a lot of the time they don't end up being on their favorite team. They have to adapt. And But you got the impression with someone like Shane Ray, he was always kind of trying to like finesse his way into Kansas City. He would always kind of have a little more of a rapport with Kansas City and not treat them like true rivals, whereas your point is spot on – Nothing will give Drew Locke more pleasure than going out there on Sunday and and when they play him next, sweeping them this season, beating Kansas City. He has no loyalty, affection. He has no interest in the Kansas City Chiefs. He is all about the Denver Broncos. So the fact that this is even a story right now, that we're talking about it, it's another nitpick on Drew Locke. And he's saying and doing, for me, all the
3: right things so far. Well, just, you know, it's, it all comes down to how fans read into it. Read into it. No farther than the way Drew Locke postured it, which is look, right. yeah, I'm from Kansas City. Yeah, my family's Chiefs fans, but that's not me. I'm a Denver Bronco. And another thing that Drew Locke talked about, we learned today, is, you know, fans often wonder how involved John Elway is in terms of mentoring Drew Locke. And like, you know, how much does Drew as a budding uh fledgling franchise caliber quarterback lean on one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time in a Hall of Famer? in terms of pointers and however you want to view it, you know, advice from John Elway. And we learned that it's actually quite regular and it's a part of Zach, his weekly uh, routine as a, as a player is to sit down with Elway. Here's what he said, quote, in terms of the benefits of interacting with GM and president of football operations, John Elway, quote, it's been huge for me. I think it's been one of my favorite parts of being able to come in after games and talk to him. Kind of just hear what he has to say, what he felt I could have done better, what he thought I did well, and stuff to look forward and to do better going into the next week. Anytime you have a guy like that in your corner, it's a huge help. And when I say after the game, it's immediately after the game. I come in a little late because we do the press stuff on the field to where I come in and it's almost halfway broken with Coach Vic, me, and him. Right after that, we'll talk, talking about Elway. Emotions are high. It's a very real moment for both of us, talking about him and Elway here, and it's been nice to have that feedback and talk right after the game, close quote. So, Zach, how does that make you feel knowing that literally John Elway, in this case, is taking a personal direct interest in the grooming of Drew Locke? Well, you know,
4: Elway, considering how much is tied to Drew Locke and how much he's invested in Drew Lock, he would be doing a disservice to himself and the Broncos by not talking to Locke after games by not mentoring him. But on the other hand, how many quarterbacks in the NFL have the luxury where their general manager is a hall of fame quarterback. And also who else is in Drew Locke's phone? Peyton Manning. He's, he has been groomed and trained by and advised by two of the greatest quarterbacks, arguably the best two quarterbacks in NFL history. It's encouraging to me. And a lot of it is because Elway, we've said this before, he sees a lot of himself in Drew and he wants Drew to be successful. He's living vicariously through him as a player. And executive, because, again, he's tied his star to Locke's wagon. So as Locke goes, Elway goes. I like it. There's nothing to hate about it.
1: This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. Yeah, I love it completely.
3: I mean, and especially the more you learn and know about John Elway's life and history. I mean, the way he came up being raised by a coach, his father, Jack Elway, and yeah. just, you know, he, he knows how to reach people. And, you know, he coached his son, Jack Elway, of course, named after his grandfather at Cherry Hills. And, you know, he knows how to connect and, and reach another quarterback. And it's really cool to hear that that's trickling down to Drew Locke and that he's taken a personal interest. And that just tells me that, you know, I never remember hearing any stories of him doing that with Pat, uh, Paxton Lynch, even with Brock Osweiler and Osweiler. He had a personal connection to through his son, Jack Elway. So it's very encouraging to see Elway uh, taking that interest in Locke. And I'm sorry to keep you waiting there, Malachi. Uh, appreciate the super chat, my Thank friend, you. and your generosity and support. He says born and raised in Kansas city, been a Broncos fan since I was a kid. Drew Locke just makes it being a fan of this team better. We need a win Sunday. I'm tired of my wife talking trash. <laughs> so it sounds like the wife's uh, arrowhead addict. So, yeah, yeah. Split, split, split
4: household.
3: That's how it goes sometimes. You know, my best friend that I grew up with he's a he's a Miami Dolphins fan, and it just so happened that he married a Buffalo Bills fan, and so it's cats and dogs. But you know, on Sundays only are they really going at each other trash talking.
4: The Dolphins have fans. I didn't know that, but
3: <laughs> hopefully do.
4: Malachi, you know, the Broncos can give you a reason to have some bragging
3: rights going forward to make your house a little more peaceful on your half of the house. Good to see you. Bronco Batman jumping in with a super. He Thanks. says, uh, just wanted to say, what's up fellows. Go Broncos. That is all good to see you. My friend really like having you in the stream and then straight up from the city of brotherly love. You guys know him, Eclipse Stormborn. Good to see you, Troy. Appreciate the support. He says, happy hump day, priests and Broncos fam. Hope you all are safe, healthy, and happy. Beat the Chiefs. Peace and love from Philly. Hashtag state of being. Hashtag MHHUN. Good to see Thank you, course. Course. Um, All right. Let me see what, uh, what else we got here. There's quite a bit still to get to in terms of some topics from today. I just want to make sure we're nice and caught up in the chat stream, John. So if there's anyone that's been waiting patiently uh, on the supers here, the queen, here she is jumping in. Top in it, as always. Appreciate you, Christy. And uh, she says, Lock's the man. Hashtag beat the Chiefs. Love it. Thanks, Christy. Good to see you. Um, we also have here, real quick, from Royal. Appreciate the support, Royal. And this Thank has you. been a few nights in a row, Royal, but really bringing it, establishing himself as a superstar in our community. He says, kind of soon, but any bold predictions for the game? I'm super excited for Drew and this offense and the opportunity they have. Hashtag no more. (laughs) Zach, let me, let me just ask you this in terms. uh, I don't have any bold predictions yet. uh, Royal to answer your question directly, but let me ask you this, Zach, what would it take? I mean, you know, we don't need to get into like nitty gritty game plan stuff, but like what would it take for the Denver Broncos to, beat down, and not even beat down, to defeat the Kansas City Chiefs who, according to sportsbetting.com, are nine-and-a-half-point favorites in this game in Denver. It would take Fangio
4: out coaching Andy Reid or Drew Locke out playing Patrick Mahomes. And the key to the game, regardless, is score touchdowns. You're not going to beat them with six McManus field goals. You have to get the ball into the end zone and stay running the clock, ball-controlled offense, use all your weapons, smart play calling. This is where Pat Shermer has to shine in this game. I like the aggressiveness against the Patriots. If you just can use that aggressiveness the right way and not get too aggressive, they will have a chance in this game. Two bold predictions, though, that came to mind immediately that Locke is going to have 300-plus yards and three touchdowns and not in a blowout effort, not in garbage time. Another bold prediction, the Broncos will hold Mahomes under 24 points. And the other key to victory, if they do that, Chad, like we saw in the Vance Joseph years with Case Keenum, if they can limit Mahomes in the Chiefs' offense, it, it comes down to Denver's offense doing enough to meet that threshold. If they can limit Mahomes to 24, I believe Locke, can hit that number as well. It all comes down to the offense, so it all comes down to the quarterback play and the coaching, as it usually does.
3: Six scoring drives against the Patriots. Now, if you take even half of those and convert them as touchdowns, you got 21 plus 9, you're at 30 points if you're the Broncos. I would trust if the Broncos could have six scoring drives equaling 30 points at home on Sunday against the Chiefs. Vic Fangio's defense is would have a good chance of keeping this thing within striking distance when you know when you get into the clutch. It's going to be there for the taking if they can do that again. It's just a matter of this is something, and the video will be going up here soon on uh, YouTube and at milehighheadle.com, but I had a conversation with Kim Becker about what it's going to take. Can, can Drew Locke go toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes? And basically, what I said is that yes, I think he can. And this Chiefs defense is underrated. I'll, we can show you guys some stats here in a few minutes and do a share screen and kind of do a comparison. But this is a better than people realize Chiefs defense, and they're well coached and they, you know, they execute and they're they're relatively disciplined. What it comes down to for Drew is he's got to simply do the same things that he was doing last week, minus the interceptions late. Right. And really, it's it's an inversion of Murphy's Law, and Murphy's Law is. What could go wrong will go wrong. That's Murphy's Law. And and the Broncos early on this season, they really were a slave to Murphy's Law. Game in, game out, week in, week out, what could go wrong seemed to go wrong. But they need to flip that. It needs to be what could go right needs to go right. And you felt that early in that Patriots game where even though it was field goals and not touchdowns, everything, every kind of turn of the the game was going the Broncos way. And they need to continue that kind of, you know, and it's – it's not necessarily something they can create perfectly on their own, but if he, if each individual executes, and those almost plays, especially from the receivers when they were close and they, were, they could score and they were threatening, you make that tough Jerry Judy over-the-shoulder catch in the end zone that it's not an easy play to make for a normal human being, but for a first-round pick, and as Drew Locke said, as a breakout guy, game in and game out, if he makes that play this time or if Alberto or maybe in this case Noah Fant hauls in one or two, you know, then you really are going to be able to go toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs because as an offense, Zach, these guys have been playing together long enough and they're good enough athletes and they're coached well enough that they make those plays every time. So you have to be able to keep pace and do the same. Great, great, great point. And it's something I was thinking watching the Patriots
4: game. It seemed like the the breaks and the, the balls bouncing the Broncos way didn't happen the first couple of weeks of the season. Didn't happen last year. I can recall uh, the penalties against the Patriots. It seems like the Broncos had pro officiating on their side. And that never happens. I did not know how to even react to that. Also, the Cushionberry fumble on the exchange. It wasn't a turnover. They recovered it. Little things like that went the Broncos way. And if that can happen again, like you said perfectly, you can't create luck You can't plan luck. It just has to happen. But if the Broncos put themselves in the proper positions during the game, if they play smart, that generates good fortune. That generates good luck. If, like you said, like I'm saying, if they can play similar to how they played last week and just a little better situationally, a little better uh, cleanly, uh, efficiently, they seriously have have a chance in this game. And we said the same thing about the Patriots. When no one was giving Denver a chance, we were saying, listen, guys, this is a beatable team. There's a reason why they have a defeat on the record. Same with Kansas City. If the Raiders can do
3: it, the Broncos can. Believe me. Especially in Denver. I mean, yes. I know it's not your typical home-field advantage in terms of the fan presence, but it's still at mile high. It's still in the thin air, and it's on Denver's turf. So keep your chin up, and don't just write this one off as, you know, the Broncos are going to go into Week 8, 2, and 4. Just don't go there quite yet. Okay, and, and allow this week to continue to percolate, and let's see how it shapes up. Mr. Roch, especially with the injury report. Mr. Roch jumping in. Appreciate that super chat, my, my friend. He says, if Fangio uh, coaches proactively and aggressively, then the Broncos win. Be a veteran coach. Go Broncos. You know, on that point, that reminds me of something. Fangio's really been harping about, you know, for the last few weeks now, but especially coming out of that Patriots game, the need, the abject, absolute, dire need to improve on in the red zone and on third down. And if the Broncos can do those things schematically, and I, again, I think just having Drew Locke back for a second game in a row, I mean, this yeah. is the first time really for Pat Shermer that he can go into a game knowing he's going to have the same quarterback for a full 60 minutes. Once again, I'm a lot more inclined to believe they might be able to establish better consistency on the money down and in the red zone. I
4: thought he was plenty aggressive last week, Vic Fangio, and uh, I thought he was pretty proactive as well. He had his team ready to play. He had a great game plan. Uh, It's crazy to say it after the first three, four weeks, but I'm not worried about Fangio in this game. I'm worried about Pat Shermer. He was the one, and he's been the one, I know you might disagree, Chad, that's drawn my biggest criticism. You can't dial up. If you have the lead against Kansas City late in the game or you're within one score, you can't dial up a deep ball when your quarterback threw a pick. You have to be smarter in those situations. You got past the Patriots. That's great. It gave the Broncos confidence that they can upset an elite team, but they're not going to do it twice with coaching like that. So to me, it's not on Vic Fangio this game. The Broncos winning or losing, to me, coaching-wise, falls on Pat Shermer. Bobby jumping in.
3: Talk about top rope here. Thank you. My thank friend. you. Poppy. really means a lot to us and, and uh, everything you mean to this community. So thank you so wow. much for your support Amazing. and generosity. But she says here, this is for Buona Beast, the best. Yes, Austin Schlottman was impressive. Go Broncos. Wow, Poppy, that really does mean a lot. And I know John appreciates that as well. But, Zach, let's talk about it because, you know, she brings up Schlottman. Dalton Reisner, of course, left in the second half with the shoulder. Schlottman stepped in a left guard. I'd be lying to you if I told you I've gone back and watched every snap that Schlotman played, but the fact that he never jumped out in terms of getting beat and, and really right. struggling is a good harbinger to to believe or, or assume going into this game against the Chiefs that he might be able to hold his own. Now, it's a little bit different animal, Zach, because the Patriots' front seven is a far cry from what the Chiefs can throw at the Broncos with Frank Clark, with – Chris Jones, especially rushing from the inside. That's someone that Schlottman's going to have to go toe to toe with if he does end up having to play. But what was your take on Schlottman coming out of week six? Better him than Wilkinson.
4: So I wasn't, you know, it wasn't a dire, glaring deficiency for Denver like I thought it would be. Reisner hasn't been that great this year. Let's call a spade a spade. He hasn't been the Reisner that we thought we were going to get this year. So maybe Schlottman can be, if not an upgrade, but a lateral move. And I hate it's going to sound crazy to say this, but look who he has next to him. Garrett Bowles, the stabilizing factor, Mr. Garrett Bowles, to help out Sloatman, it could be worse. I'm not worried if they have to uh, go into battle with Sloatman as the guard. Uh, They have to just, like you said, game
3: plan for Chris Jones because you know that Kansas City defense will target him exclusively. Okay, Duke, we're holding you to this, my dog. He says, I'm a diehard Broncos fan, but Denver will lose this game against KC. Next year will be different. If Denver wins, I'm cutting my locks and shaving my beard. So let it be written. So let it be done. Uh, What is it on uh, the the Mandalorian? Since this is a Star Wars themed episode, I have spoken. Duke has spoken. There you go, Doc. And when that happens, Duke, all right. uh, If you do indeed have to shave that beard, we want you to film it. And then we want you to send it to us. And then we're going to play it live here on the huddle up podcast. So uh, we want to see that Chris Hernandez, 24 year veteran of the air force protecting this country. Uh, from threats, foreign and abroad. Good to see you, my friend. Big time superstar in our community. MHA. Appreciate you, also, Chris. Also, Facebook supporter. Love you, buddy. Good to see you, as always. Uh, well, here's one from from ZDub. Good to see you, my friend. Appreciate your support, as always. Thank you. Would Slants help Judy? Yes, in the short, the short answer. In my opinion, Slants would help him catch and gain better um, consistency. Yes, that's the one thing. I can't remember who brought it up. Might have been on Twitter, Zach. It might have been in one of our streams after the game, um, but someone's like, "Can can the Broncos scheme a slant or two to Jerry Judy? All these crossers, which is fine. The crossers are fine, and all these you know deep shots and whatnot. Let him run a few slants. And frankly, Zach, I don't know if it's just simply because Cortland Sutton has been out, or if it's just a schematic wrinkle uh, of Shermer. But they just same. haven't been running those slants, dude."
4: I was screaming for this on the halftime pod during the game where the Broncos were in the red zone and not capitalizing. They were throwing these low percentage passes in the back of the end zone, whereas underneath there was so much spacing for Philip Lindsay, for Jerry Judy, for even Albert. O. so yes, I agree. Zachary for sure to get his confidence up too, not just the yards, not just the production for his confidence to get him the ball in his hands, let him stack some catches, let him get into a rhythm and then take a shot down the field. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's, crawling before you can walk and walking before you can run whereas just sprinting right away isn't going to get you anywhere
1: all right and we did not long ago everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl not anymore the biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children changing their names clothes identities and bodies
3: Ed get an affirmative from Duke on if the Broncos beat the Chiefs, he's going to send us that video, shaving that glorious goatee of his and the beard. So we look forward to to hopefully, everyone hopes to see that, right? Everyone hopes the Broncos can beat the Chiefs. So we hope that Duke's going to have to shave. Hashtag shave that beard. Um, all right, let's grab Dylan Bryant, who has increasingly become a superstar in the community. Yes. Good to see you, Dylan. Thank you, Dylan. Defensively, do you foresee nickel formations with more secondary and a spy? Do you make Kansas City beat us on the ground? You know, it's, it really is, Zach. This is going against the Chiefs. It's a quintessential pickle because, right. you know, if you, if you stack the box, Mahomes and Tyreek, and we, we know what they can do with the passing attack. And if you play them light like the Bills try to do and drop eight guys in coverage, they'll just pound it with uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And, of course, they they just signed uh, uh, Le'Veon Bell. So it, it really is a Sophie's Choice if you're Vic Fangio. I'm not going to lie to you and, and pretend to tell you, Dylan, that I have the answers defensively. All I can tell you is that when it comes to Patrick Mahomes and his ability to break the pocket and, you know, make you pay with his legs, that's just something from a discipline and and just a heads-up awareness thing that the rushers have to have to yes. be on top of. And in terms of a spy, you just got to be – I don't think you spy like you would if it was a Lamar Jackson per se, but it's just the rushers have to keep him contained.
4: I don't think it's a question. If Vic Fangio had his choice, he's taking his chance against the running game any day. If you can limit Mahomes to where they're having to beat you with Edwards-Hilaire, the Broncos, to me, are much better against the run than they are against the pass. So, yes, I'm not scared of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire or even Le'Veon Bell, who might not even play in this game, Chad. It came out today, Andy Reid said, there's no guarantee he's going to play. So I'm taking my chances. If you shut down Tyree Kale Nicole Hardiman, and Travis Kelsey, I-, I would like the Denver's odds of shutting down CEH and winning that game or keeping it close. And also in terms of a spy, this is going to be, like you said, not a Lamar Jackson or a Michael Vick back in the day. He's not a pure running quarterback, but this is a huge game for the linebackers and the safeties. If Justin Simmons wants a market resetting contract, he has to earn it in this game. Huge
3: litmus test for this defense. And honestly, the Broncos had a nice little primer last week because Cam Newton's very mobile, obviously, and, you know, just rushing with kind of a discipline, keeping your, you know, maintaining your gap discipline it's as a rusher point. and not letting him break contain. Of course he ended up breaking contain in the fourth quarter when it really fell on him a couple of scores behind with time running out to play a little backyard football. And he picked up, you know, 70 something yards rushing all in the fourth quarter. And if it wasn't for that backyard football, they don't even get over a hundred yards rushing as a team. The Broncos dominated them in the trenches. JFig Bids jumping in. Good to see you, my friend. You. Appreciate your support. He says, Lock two touchdowns. Lindsey, two touchdowns. Mahomes, Zach, two hmm. picks. Now, that can kind of segue into maybe a brief, um, we can take a look at some of the statistical comparisons here between these two teams, but what's your reply to JFig's here, his predictions? If that happens, the Broncos likely win this game. I mean, that's four
4: touchdowns and you're holding Mahomes to two picks and let's say two touchdowns. Again, if you can the magic number to me is twenty-four points. You keep that KC offense at twenty-four. I have confidence a lot, getting Noah Fant back and him starting another game and coming off that Patriots win, they can surpass that threshold. So if that happens, I'd love to see it. It would mean a Denver victory, though I'm not holding my breath for that to happen.
3: All right. Let me uh let me do some quick con- uh comparisons here for you guys. And I'm gonna blow this up as big as I can get it for you on the screen. Now, we get these each and every week sent to us by the great folks over at Broncos PR. They do a great job. And it shows you the Broncos on the left column, the Chiefs on the right. Okay. And if it's in the red, that signifies bottom 10. If it's in the green, that signifies top 10. All right. When it comes to turnover margin, as you can see here, gang, the Broncos are in the bottom 10. They're minus five, been, been, too many turnovers, not enough takeaways. The Chiefs, plus five. Um, offensively, Broncos, look at all that red, Zach. I mean, 29th in, to- in net yards, 27th in yards per play, 29th in points per game, 25th in uh, rushing, 27th in passing, 30th in interceptions, second, though, this is good, just outside of the top 10, 11th in the fumbles loss. So they're protecting the ball, are their rushers. 10th, uh, 10 giveaways, ranks them 26th, sixth, fifteen. Sacks ranks them 22nd and then third down percentage in red zone. Zach, this is what's really been the killer. They're ranked 29th in third Mm -hmm. down percentage and 30th in red zone. So only two teams are worse than the Broncos in the red zone. Now, meanwhile, Zach, and then I'm going to serve this over to you. Look at all this green. All right. Vic Fangio talked about today. He goes, look, you guys might not believe it. And fans might not want to hear it. But Patrick Mahomes is even better this year. And of course he is. You know, he's in his what, 17, 18, 19, he's in his fourth season, his third as a full time starter. Of course, he's going to only continue to improve. Look at all this green third in nets, in yards per play, net yards, yards per play, uh, in, per game, net yards per play, fourth points per game, ninth rushing. I mean, the only spot in which they're not top 10, Zach, is they've lost three fumbles, which kind of just ranks in the middle of the road. So, this is what the Broncos have in front of them. And You know, this is really an indictment on Pat Shermer on one hand, Zach, but again, without the quarterback consistency and constant, you know, presence there, I still want to give him a little time to to fudge these numbers and move them up. And this is the game where he really has to take a step in that direction.
4: Yeah, for sure. I looking at that sack number, it would have been a lot higher I think if Demar Dawson wasn't in the game. So 15's not too bad, but the the most glaring I'm not a huge stat guy. I don't read the box score and form my opinion on that, but the biggest stat to me is red zone percentage. 40%, 30th, 30th overall, you are never going to beat the Chiefs with that. Level of inefficiency. You have to get the ball into the end zone. You have to score points and not settle for field goals. If they can get that up into the 60, 70% range against Kansas City on Sunday, they will have a chance to win that game. You're going to have to fight fire with fire to some capacity. You might limit Mahomes, but you're not going to stop Mahomes. So they have to be better on offense.
3: All right. D is jumping in. That's just how I'm going to say it here because this is a family friendly show. <clears throat> really quick, only one team. Thanks for the support, D, and uh, we, we've we noticed that's two nights in a row, so thank you. Thank only one team has beaten them so far this year, talking about the Chiefs. That team scored 40. We'll have to put up a lot of points to stay in this game, Zach.
4: Yeah, I, that's what I'm saying. I mean, you're, you're going to have to score in the 20s. You're not going to win this game 18 points, 20 points. You're going to have to get 24, 27, because I have faith if the Broncos play On defense like they did against the Patriots, if they coach on defense like they did against New England, they can limit Mahomes. They've done it before. They have the horses. It's just as it always is every single year since Peyton Manning, do they have the offense to match? Can the offense pull some of the weight and not leave it all to the defense? Six field goals is not going to cut it against Kansas City.
3: I think 23-24 points for the Broncos to have a chance in this game is the floor. I mean, that's the bare... Minimum, and that's if Fangio's defense plays just flat out inspired football. Agreed. So this is one of those games. I mean, Pat Shermer. We assume, considering the fact that there were multiple teams after him, this is a, we assume he's getting paid a decent, probably a pretty lucrative salary as an offensive coordinator coming off of his head coaching gig with the Giants. This is the game where he shows why. And again, you know, another interesting storyline, and I'm looking forward to hearing from Shermer on Friday on this fact. Zach is. He's a Reed disciple. He's an Andy Reed disciple. Yes. He has a chance here to go up against his, uh, you know, his. he's the Padawan and and Reed's the Jedi Master. He has the chance here to really go up against the guy that taught him a lot in terms of what he utilizes and his core philosophies offensively, and it's going to be fun to see exactly how he can contend against Andy Reed.
4: Yeah, Reed actually singled out singled out Pat Shermer today and complimented him, but it works both ways as well. If Andy Reed knows Shermer's tendencies, he's going to tell the defense that to be aware for it. So it's, again, you can talk about Drew Locke having to step up. I agree with that. The Broncos players having to step up. I agree. But this game, win or lose, will come down to Pat Shermer's play calling and his situational coaching. That's
3: it's point blank to me. All right, let me read this from Najal Toff jumping in. Appreciate you, my friend. Thank in you. Generosity. He says, brothers... Prior to the season, uh, defensive back was looking like the greatest weakness. Now five weeks in, it's looking like a major strength. These young guys can ball. If Simmons and Jack can get back to form, no-fly zone Two Thoughts? I don't know about that, Zach, but – and again, thank you, Naj. And by the way, we shared on uh, MHH Instagram and MHH Facebook Naj's man cave, which is impressive, and we were particularly impressed by the content he was enjoying in his man cave. The Huddle Up podcast on the big flat screen. We love seeing that. Um, but in terms of the no-fly zone, Zach, if they get A.J. Bouye back this week, which it's looking like there's a really good chance he comes back from injured reserve, with how well Michael O'Jamudia has been playing, you got your two boundary corners that you probably planned for this year, and then you get Callahan where he belongs in that nickel, and maybe, especially if last week's uh, game against the Patriots was – kind of a step back in the right direction because this is something Eric Trickle talked about in his grades article and in in multiple um, settings since. The way that they were using coaching, the way they were using Simmons especially in those first four games was very different than the way they were utilizing him last year, and they kind of went back to the way he was being used last year in week six against the Patriots. So if that's a theme, Zach, that we can kind of project and that they can build on, Then this secondary, yeah. I mean, unfortunately, this isn't the type of game where you build back your confidence as as a secondary. You really have to just, I mean, this (laughs) is one of those games where you just bear down and hold on for dear life and do the best you can. But as you say, to use your verbiage, it's looking like they're going to have the horses for it, or at least the horses they planned for this year back where they uh, belong. Yeah,
4: I, I'm not going to you know, rattle off any nicknames because that no-fly zone secondary, that was special, man. I mean, to Talib, Chris Harris Jr., Darian Stewart, TJ Ward, it was just a special unit. And the Broncos, um, I think they're a little further along from that. They have a lot of the pieces first gelling together now and chemistry on both sides of the ball was such a huge issue with new players and reduced offseason and all that going on. They're finally hitting their stride, and there's no coincidence that Simmons has played better, Jackson's played better, the secondary has played better, but getting Bosby in the game has been tremendous. Callahan uh, performing well has been tremendous, and Michael Ojemudia. Among all the players in the Broncos, I'm eating the most crow with him because he's looking like a legit upside cornerback, too. And when you get A.J. Boye back, who is a no-doubt-about-it, cornerback one, the best Broncos quarterback the first couple weeks, this is going to be a scary passing defense. Nicknames, I don't know. No fly zone 2.0, I don't know. But a very formidable secondary who I think not a lot of quarterbacks will want to
3: test. Ethan King, I think your message is received loud and clear, my friend. I, I don't know. I just counted like 10 of the same question. Love you, buddy. Please don't spam the chat like that, though. We'll we'll get your question here because it is a good one. But try not to spam the chat like that, okay? Uh, he wants to know though, Zach. Do you think Tim Patrick will have a big game against Kansas City? What's your outlook for Timmy P. coming off a of back-to-back hundred-yard receiving games? Well, as most of you know, I'm a huge Tim
4: Patrick fan. Timmy touchdowns, but I just with with KJ Hamler likely playing, Noah Fant likely playing, Melvin Gordon likely playing. As as far as we know, it's going to take a lot of the target share away from Tim Patrick. I think he will still have his receptions. He has a great, great chemistry organically and naturally with Locke, but having the other weapons at his disposal, I think Jerry Judy, this is the game where it goes, you know, 150 yards, two touchdowns. I foresee a bigger Jerry Judy game than I do Tim Patrick game, but he's still going to be involved. He's still going to be a central part of the offense. And again,
3: if you have 11 Tim Patrick's on the field, I think Drew Locke would prefer that. All right, I want to get to this defense stuff here real quick and then we're we're getting close, button up against our, our time here. Let me grab a couple quick supers here. Kevin G jumping in. Appreciate you, my Thanks. friend. Do you see Jarrell Casey and Shelby Harris on the roster next year? Zach, I don't honestly, I don't see Jarrell Casey. I think he'll end up being a cap casualty. Same. Shelby Harris. I think pay better him. than fifty fifty odds. Pay the man. I mean, pay him, dude.
4: Hashtag pay Shelby. I mean, if the Broncos are not going to another team, will and he deserves every penny coming to him. Gerald Casey, I tweeted about it uh, about a month or so. The Broncos can save like eleven and twelve million bucks in salary cap space. No dead money hit. I think he's a goner. It was a failed experiment. I think you see why Tennessee got rid of him for a seventh round draft pick. I am giving Shelby Harris whatever he wants, though. He has earned it every single year, every single game. Hashtag pay Shelby.
3: Kenneth Booker jumping in, talking about a superstar. Appreciate you, brother. He says Royce Freeman has a knack for blocking the blitzer with the least direct route to the quarterback. Sincerely, the guy who got sacked unnecessarily AKA drew lock. Yeah. I mean, you know, Royce is Royce. The good news Kenneth is that the Broncos have Melvin Gordon back at practice. He's, he's over the strap and he's supposed to be that guy. And he's not only as a, receiver out of the backfield. This was something Luke Patterson wrote about today at myhighhuddle.com. Go read the story about the Broncos utilizing their backs in the passing game more. But as a savvy veteran that can pick up the blitz and has the body, you know, the physicality similar to Royce and maybe a little bit better discernment, Kenneth, to pick up that blitz. But Zach, you know, that's another good silver lining here for Drew Locke in this offense going into week seven is it's looking like Fant comes back. It's looking like Hamler comes back and you have, Melvin Gordon back. So you're still Sands, Cortland Sutton, but you're now back to as full of strength as you could possibly get offensively right at the right time with the Chiefs coming to town. Yeah,
4: Royce is what he is. He's a jag in all facets as a runner, pass catcher, blocker. I mean, he is what he is. I think Lindsey can do the job in pass pro. I mean, I know I get a lot of criticism about that comment. I think he's a three-down running back. Melvin Gordon is good in pass pro. And Locke's escapability, his his knack to get away from sacks, will help him. So I'm not too concerned about Royce Freeman in this game or going forward.
3: All right, let's take a look. I know we got one from Brian and Bama X. We'll get to you guys here shortly. Um Let's just take a quick comparison gander here at the defensive units going toe-to-toe this Sunday. Your Denver Broncos are over here on the left are ranked top 10 in yards per play, currently number nine. That is the only spot they're top 10 until you get to the crucial, two most important, Zach. On third down, they're currently ranked ninth, allowing conversions on only 38.1% of, of, of third down plays. And then in the red zone, they're third in the league, only allowing 46.6%, which, as they finished last year, Zach, is the number one red zone defense. It's really encouraging, despite yeah. all the losses personnel-wise and just all the foibles and the time it took for this unit to get up to speed and in with the coaches. It's really encouraging to see that they've been able to carry over that red zone stinginess. And then you look over here at the Chiefs, okay? They've got one, two, three, four categories where they're top ten, Points per game, they're only allowing 21.2. Ninth, Broncos, for what it's worth, are allowing less than one point more per game, Point eight points per game more than the Chiefs, 22 versus 21.2. And then they're number three against the pass, Zach, 208 yards they are relinquishing. Interceptions, they picked off seven. The Broncos have picked off three. And then lastly, takeaways, total takeaways, because they picked off seven, they have nine ranked seventh. Compared to the Broncos, they have five Takeaways. Then, last thing, you get down here to sacks. The Broncos have fourteen. The Chiefs have thirteen. Third down percentage. The Chiefs are middle of the pack, including red zones. At
4: yeah, I mean, it's very encouraging the red zone stats for the Broncos and uh, Vic Fangio's defense and bodies bend but don't break. I mean, it's like they bend, 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 but they never snap, and that's very encouraging when you're facing an explosive team like the Chiefs or the Patriots or the Steelers, the Bucks, whatever. The glaring number, though, was the takeaways. And that's why we got the question about Mahomes' two interceptions. I just, I, I can see Lindsey two touchdowns. I can see Lock two touchdowns. I can't see the Broncos picking them off twice. They need to take the ball away more. That's going to turn the game. They have to help their offense out by getting the ball back for them. So they're going to have to change that number this week, either force a fumble, interception.
3: they got to do something to help the offense out. And similarly to what Vic Fangio did, it took the last play of the game to show an unscouted look against the Patriots, but he needs to pull a few tricks like that out of his hat against the, the chiefs and throw some things at yes. Mahomes and Reed that they just haven't seen from Fangio's Broncos quite yet. Uh, Brian Bowman jumping in. Love that profile pick, my dog. Good to see you. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. No, we will beat KC. go Broncos. Love the optimism. Love the confidence. My friend. That's good. Juju Bama X jumping in. Thank you. My friend you. for the support. He says from a Bama fan here, screens, slants and crossers off of play action. Or how Ruggs, Judy, and D. Smith made their money at Bama. It's P. it's Play. P calling? Play calling. Okay, thank you. See, I need Zach to interpret here. But, yeah, man, I mean, that's – look, I think Judy can – it doesn't mean Judy, Zach can't be a vertical threat. It doesn't mean you can't use him on, you know, outside the numbers and, and vertically. But if you are Pat Shermer, you really do have to start figuring out how to scheme him to his strengths. And, he, and Bama X just barely laid it out and, you know – stark reality you have to use them the
4: right way and Bama X is a hundred percent correct I hate to keep piling on Pat Shermer but it comes down to coaching and play calling and I hate to make the comparison but watching C.D. Lamb in Dallas they are getting him the ball they are using him correctly down the field in the slot outside crossers go routes every type of route in the playbook they're having him run. It's the same thing for Jerry Judy. He's great underneath. He's great long, but get him the ball in his hands. Let him make some plays. Let him show off that footwork. Most importantly, let him build his confidence back up at the NFL level.
3: All right. We are about out of time tonight, gang. We about have to sign off and dip on out of here. But before we do, we got to grab this one last super chat from, where to go? From Alan Judy jumping in. Thank you for the support. Thank you. He says, play Albert O and Fant together. Go big or go home. Throw the ball in the middle of the field. I'm feeling oddly confident. Zach, two topics there. Thanks again, Alan. that I want to, that are very appropriate to address here. One is, I love, he says, I'm feeling confident. I have a good feeling about the Broncos right now as well, because I think the energy and the, the swagger is back and the feeling of confidence and You know, they were so down in the dumps from all those injuries that first quarter of the season. And then getting Drew back and getting Phillip back in the same game that just gave him an emotional lift. The issue here, Zach, is it can't be short-lived. It can't be one of those things where it's a flash in the pan. And look, if last year was any indication, I don't think it will be because, you know, Drew Locke came in, and unlike Brandon Allen, whose spark lasted all of eight quarters, Drew's lasted for more than a quarter of the season. It lasted for five games, you know, basically five weeks uh, of real time. And so, I think there's good reason to believe that that swagger and that spark. I think just as a team, for both units, they're starting to inch closer to really finding and landing on that identity. And then the topic of Albert Owen and Fant together. You said it, Alan. I mean, last week, you know, we're we're a little reluctant to say that. Albert O was a beast out there. If he catches even one of those touchdowns, maybe, maybe Holler Addison will say, all right, that was beast like. But it was what I can tell you, Zach, is that from what we saw in week six from Alberto's debut as a Bronco, the message to the coaches is forget the blocking or lack thereof. Get the dude on the field. And, you know, you right now you just, especially with Cortland Sutton on injured reserve, you need all the playmakers you can get in this offense. They didn't draft him for his blocking. They draft him to
4: catch passes and make touchdowns. And just like the Chiefs, they had Tyreek Hill. He was going through his little legal situation, but they drafted Mecole Hardman. You can never have too many weapons for a young quarterback. To the other point about uh, not getting complacent, you always worry that beating the Patriots was the Broncos Super Bowl. And I don't think it will be or it was, but you have to guard against the Broncos kind of reading their own press clippings, feeling themselves a little too much, thinking they can beat anyone now. I don't think it's going to be that way. Uh, It's up to Fangio to keep them grounded. But at least beating New England and beating the Jets before them, a winning streak, gives Denver confidence like we can do this. We can stack wins. We can take down the top teams in the NFL. We have that
3: ability. Let's go out there and show it. All right, last topic I want to get to with you, Zach, and then we'll dip out of here, is something um, Vic Fangio said today when he was asked about what he's seen from Drew Locke's progress since he was drafted in 2019 and in classic Fangio style, as he compliments the kid, it's an underhanded kind of diss. And I think it's his way of using, you know, the the coach's long game psychology, you know, Um, that I just think that's Fangio's style is to utilize the press to kind of convey and motive convey his, it's kind of like a parent, all right. Some parents out there, for example, when it comes to their kids, they will praise them when they do something well, but then they'll they'll make sure, you know, like, for example, my kid brings home a B plus on his report card. I'll say, wow, good job, my friend. Good job, Sonny. Um, really would love to see that in A though, right? Those type of things. I think it's that same kind of almost paternal psychology here where I want to give you your credit for what you've done, but I know I, that you can do better and I know there's more right. in there. Here's what he said about Drew Locke's progress. Quote, his progress has been good when he's out there. Since we got him, he missed the first 10 weeks of the season last year and did a nice job getting his first action down the stretch. Then he has a good camp this year and gets hurt very early in like the 10th or 11th play of the Pittsburgh game, misses all of that game, and then the next two, and then he gets the start last week. We need a good stretch with him where he can play the rest of the season, for instance, and get comfortable in there. The guys get comfortable and the coaches get to know him better, and Taylor thinks to him that he does well. He's doing well. I'm glad we have him, and I have great hope for him. We're glad that we have him, close quote. I mean, for Vic Fangio, though, that's a pretty
4: big compliment. And he strikes me as very Bill Parcells-like. They are both kind of cut from the same cloth, very old-school, ornery, crotchety guys who like to challenge their players through the media, they mean well. It's just their coaching style. They think they they support their players. They realize they're doing well, but they know that they can bring more out of them. And you never want to fall back on your laurels. You never want to let your players get complacent. And I believe, for the most part, except for when Vic Fangio is, you know, dinging Von Miller in his introductory press conference, I like that approach. You can always make the players better and never let them fall on what they did. They always have to improve
3: going forward. All right, guys, we do have to dip out of here for tonight. Thanks to each and every one of you for spending some time with us here in the live stream. A mile high salute to our Super Chat superstars and our Facebook supporters. We love you guys, and and really, you mean the world to us. Each and every one of you, though, are important. We love you, and we are grateful to have you here listening to the Huddle Up podcast and with us in the stream. As we part with you here tonight, though, make sure you connect with us on Twitter and follow the podcast at HuddleUpPod, and then also the main account on Twitter at Mile high Huddle, and whatever you do, make sure you're following my partner on Twitter, Zach Kelberman, at KelbermanNFL, myself, at Chad N. Jensen, and then our producer, John Cronenberg, at John K. MHH. But, guys, if we didn't get to your question or if we left a topic on the table, we weren't able to get to it tonight let not your heart be troubled because we'll be back in the saddle tomorrow night for the mile high mailbag. And so all no, no holds barred, bring your questions. We'll do the best we can to get to as many as possible. And we look forward to doing that tomorrow night and talking with you again. But in the meantime, Zach, tomorrow's Thursday, uh, practice number two for the Broncos. It'll be interesting to see how the practice report develops. And so until then, man, have a good night. We'll talk tomorrow.
4: Yes, sir. And we'll have more of an update on who's going to play likely Sunday. And also, as always, that we say every Wednesday night our favorite podcast of the week. So, guys, get your questions and be ready. Tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Eastern, Six Mountain, Mile High Mailbag time.
2: You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at MileHighHuddle.com to keep the conversation going.
1: Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born or a girl.